Today on the Sound Rider Show, we're going to be talking about the International Motorcycle Show, a new video channel for our readers, and of course, how to cook holiday meals on two wheels. All that and more on the December edition. Stick around. Support for Sound Rider and the Sound Rider Show is made possible in part by Skagit Power Sports, where you'll find one of the largest selections of new and used motorcycles, apparel, and gear in the North Sound. Skagit Power Sports provides a relaxed atmosphere and no-pressure sales staff to get you into your next bike simply and quickly. And that's why they are consistently voted the top dealer in the Pacific Northwest by Sound Riders year after year. Visit them in Burlington today or find them online at SkagitPowerSports.com. Now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Jingle bells, Batman smells, welcome to the Sound Rider Show where we never lay an egg. That is, unless it's an Easter egg, as in an Easter egg of motorcycle knowledge. Joining me here today, as always, the publisher and founder of Sound Rider, a man who is promising to make this a December to remember. Tom Marin, what's going on in your world on two wheels? I just want to admit right now, I had nothing to do with whatever <laughs> you just wrote and said. I, I've, you're talking about Easter eggs and Batman smells. It's a holiday and, episode. We should be celebrating uh, those things that are most important to us, those things that are on two wheels. All right, the Bat Bike. Let's celebrate that. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get uh, Christopher <laughs> Nolan in here and let's talk about that. But how are things going, man? I know it's been a uh, an interesting November. It's shaping up to be a pretty interesting December. What's going on in your world of motorcycling? Well, I've been busy. Yeah. Um, I've been commuting a little bit, and uh, and I went down to the uh, Long Beach Motorcycle Show. Nice. It only took me like 20 minutes to get there from Seattle. It was yeah, pretty fast. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Of course, that's the closest one to us here now. But, uh, no, I, I, uh, I enjoyed it, and we'll talk about it when we get up to the feature section of the show. Yeah, we'll dive into that a little bit later. But what really caught my attention is you're talking about uh, you're going back to some commuting here, and this is the wintertime. Yeah, so I... You know, we put that article up about becoming a commuter. Yeah. And um, always a hot topic. Got some inf- interesting information from people about why they don't, because they like to have their latte next to them in the car. Sure. Okay, fine. Uh, but uh, uh, at the same time, I went ahead and ordered up a one piece suit. Nice. And I didn't have the greenbacks to go for the arrow stitch suit. So I wanted the uh, the Olympia one piece. Yeah. And it's no longer on their website. I went to the dealer to order it. They couldn't get it. So I found one in the online at one of the, you know, discount aftermarket I gotcha. over and out shops. Is this uh is this a full on Olympia touring suit or is this a rain suit that you're putting over some of your No, it's gear? a full on suit. Gotcha. So okay. it's all you know, it's all uh, uh ballistic nylon right. and that sort of thing. And you, and, get you the know seam sealed and everything. I, I know I'm I read everything that people wrote about it and they all said it didn't it wasn't waterproof. Yeah. And that's true. Show me a one piece suit that is. Right. There aren't any. Sure. So 
So uh, I'm not counting on that, but I, I've slipped it on a couple times, gone out and ridden around, and, and enjoyed getting out in November instead yeah. of having the bikes all sitting down on a battery charger, you know. Well, and we had, I mean, temperature-wise, they've been wet days, but uh, in the 50s, uh, pushing the 60s a few days. Yeah. In fact, I couldn't, you know, I, we didn't have uh, Thanksgiving at home this year, right. but if we did, I wouldn't have been able to brine a turkey. Because it was, uh, you it was, can't put it on the porch. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Right, I That's what I do. Is I put the turkey in the ice chest and I yeah. put it out on the porch at night and let it brine overnight. And oh wait, this is the wrong show. I thought right. we were doing the Seattle dining show. <laughs> we'll get into that later. That segment on uh, cooking holiday meals on two wheels, right? But uh, but no, you're right. It has been uh, it has been a warm uh, fall, which is good on one hand, but uh, on the other hand, that means wet weather and. Why is it so tough, do you think, to find waterproof uh, suits? Why has that been sort of the holy grail? Well. Just too many stitches? Uh, yeah, there's yeah. there's no way to waterproof a zipper all the way down. Where it bends in your crotch, right. that's where all the water pours in. I gotcha. And so there's no nobody ever puts a marine zipper in it. I guess for that reason, because it is bent at a 90-degree angle at that point, and yeah. it's going to let some water in, and marine zippers aren't cheap. That's true. They are uh, quite expensive. I wonder, you know, somebody should try out one of those, uh, you know, the fishing boats carry, the submersion suits, the uh, the whole hypothermia preventing. They're kind of like a wetsuit, but they're made for cold water. Someone should try that out and see if there's any technology to be gleaned from there. Yeah, and then I wonder what would hap- happen when you sweat. I wonder if – because, <laughs> you know, question, then it wouldn't yeah. let the moisture out, and so you'd, you'd be all like – feel like you were Clammy. wrapped in saran wrap or right. something. dipped into silicone. I don't know. It is, a, uh, it is a challenge. But with that said, there are a lot of pretty good suits out there that do a nice job. Maybe I should try that. Maybe I should just wrap myself in saran wrap and go for a ride. <laughs> Would that constitute being clothed? Well, I think you should still put something over that, you know, unless okay. you get maybe that blue-tinted saran wrap that might uh, shield some of the, uh, the lesser – the parts that don't need to be seen. Let's say that. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. <laughs> but what else do you have for uh, for commuting it be tips? If you really saw somebody riding around like that, you know, I haven't been to Sturgis, <laughs> but it wouldn't surprise me if that's already been done. Uh, but what else? Some other uh, commuting tips, you know, because a lot of people always have uh, their ways uh, to kind of get to and from work. And you're right. We uh, over the last couple of months, we've been discussing how the prevalence of motorcycle commuters. There was that study that came out that we discussed uh, pretty well at length on here, mm-hmm. but not a lot in Seattle. And uh, then some of the feedback we were getting on the posts on social media were saying things like, yeah, I can't carry my latte, or the drivers are too crazy. What yeah, you- the drivers are too crazy. Right. Come on, <laughs> yeah. people. If well, you're concerned about drivers being too crazy, you're not driving with, with my and Derek's number one rule, and that is ride like nobody sees you. Right. <laughs> Well, there is uh, in the morning, you know, I will say one of the things, fortunately for me, I live close enough uh, to the office where I don't have to do too much commuting, but clutch fatigue is something in this traffic. So much stop and go, man. If you're going 20 or 30 miles and it takes you, you know, 90 minutes, you can really wear out your hand. Isn't it just legal to go up the sidewalk or use the bus lane? Well, yeah, when you get downtown, but the freeways, it's a little more challenging, right? The bus lane (laughs) and the sidewalks are not legal. Let's get that straight. That's uh, probably not the best advice, but... You know, if you are looking around this time of year uh, to get also out, also the bike lanes aren't legal. Uh, see, there was uh, there was a little uh, bit of a, a glare coming from the other side of the studio here on that one because I mentioned that I think we should <laughs> we should pass a motion in Seattle and we should start to get motorcycles and bike lanes. I, I stand by that. Let's free up some traffic. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that uh, next year on our uh, New Year's resolutions, right? Well, you still have to get your new bike. 
You've got 30 days to go. What's wrong with my motorcycle uh, as my, is? That was my New Year's yeah, prediction. Know, yeah. You were going to get a new bike this year. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I'm pretty happy with the old DR still, mm. you know? Well, I, we'll talk about a bike in a bit that, that I think you should be getting. Okay, on, so. I look forward to that. Maybe some yeah. insights from the uh, International Motorcycle Show. <laughs> but uh, if I do get that new bike before the end of the, uh, the year here or even early into next year maybe – We've got some events, some Sound Rider events that uh, we just might be riding to. We do. So we've posted up all the 2018 event dates online. You can get them right now by going to soundrider.com. Of course, I don't have that web page in front of me right now, but maybe I can get it up in front of me shortly. There we go. We'll buy for some time. But, of course, we're looking at uh, the rally in uh, late August. We've got Sasquatch coming up, and I know that date shifts a little bit, so we'll talk about that. And then Road Trip, I hope, as well. Yeah, so the rally in the gorge is going to be August 22nd through 26th, which is common. That's the way we do it. We always do it the weekend before Labor Day. Right. Because we know how nasty it is trying to drive back home on on Labor Day. Well, some trial and error went into that. And, of course, we're going into what uh, year is this going to be for the rally? Is this 17, 16? Sweet 16. Sweet 16 coming up. So, you know, you uh, figured that out early in the process that this was probably the most ideal week down there. And the years that I've been going, um, I've enjoyed it every time. So I say it's a pretty good pick. Yeah. Uh, then the uh, Sasquatch Dual Sport Tour is going to be June 11th through the 15th. So we're not holding off down to the end of the summer or first of fall to right. do it this year. Uh, we're going to do it before the fires kick in, before all the the uh, maybe maybe the hopefully all the snow will have melted by then. That's the plan. That's right. But this time uh, you might uh, the snow hopefully will have been melted. Where of course this year in September you ran into a little snow on the old Sasquatch Tour, right? We ran into snow on the dual on the on the road trip tour on the road trip tour. Yeah, okay, no I knew snow there was on the Okay, tour. we had some rain though. I gotcha. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, that will be melted out, and uh, that one's always a good time for those dual sport enthusiasts. And this year we will go down the uh, Oregon Cascades and explore some areas of, that we haven't been to before, Great. and a couple areas that we have been to before down there. Well, it's beautiful down there, though. I mean, so, uh, more than one trip is definitely a necessity for the Southern Cascades in Oregon. And we're talking about this because we want all our listeners to block their vacation time yeah, and uh, make sure they've got these dates on their calendar and they can join us. Um, always a favorite is the uh, road trip tour. That's going to be May 21st through the 25th. And uh, this tour has a theme this year. Cool. It's going to be called Weird Oregon. Oh. So we're going to take all the tertiary roads, and we're going to go to some of those weird places in Oregon. Like Portland, the weirdest of them all. No, we're oh, staying out of Portland. Yeah. No, but we'll be, we'll be uh, experiencing some of the strange stuff, and there's plenty of it in Oregon. So uh, more details on that as we get closer to the event. Well, Oregon is a very interesting state and really kind of underrated, I think, in the national context for its history. There's a lot of cool stuff. That's that like one of the Oregon. top states in the United States to ride a motorcycle. Yeah, and it, it is. Well, no question about that. There's just right. no doubt about it. Yep. Uh, and then the 10th annual Cafe to Cafe Grand Tour is going to be uh, March 1st through September 30th. Nice. And then we'll have the uh, awards banquet on October 13th. Um, now, all of this is on the Soundwriter website. You can get to it right from the homepage. There's even a calendar you can print out and uh, put up on your wall. 
Yeah, carried around in your wallet, just so you know that uh, yeah. the dates are coming up. And you know, you mentioned getting that vacation time booked in early, or like I suggest every year, if you can't get the vacation time, just quit your job. Go out, hit all the events. That's the way you do it. Right. That's what I did a long time ago. Worked out pretty good for me. That's it. Yeah, we're still rolling here. So, uh, But it sounds like uh, some really good stuff coming up. Going to be a very uh, busy spring and summer for you, too, it sounds like. Uh, yeah. Which is good. That's the idea. Yep. Get everybody out there riding. So let's take a little break here, and when we come back, we'll have some news bites. And I think we'll do the calendar at the same time. Support for SoundRider and the SoundRider Show is made possible in part by Linwood Motoplex, your gateway to motorcycling adventure in the Pacific Northwest. Choose from brands like Indian, KTM, BMW, Kawasaki, Victory, Yamaha, Can-Am, and more. Family owned and operated for over 25 years. Linwood Motoplex is your one-stop shop for fun. Hello, my name is Don Harvey and I'm from Preston, Washington. And totally unrehearsed, one of my favorite rides in the Pacific Northwest a day ride, let's say, is on the Olympic Peninsula, the High Steel Bridge, and up over the pass to Lake Wayanuchi, and just make a nice loop and a good day of it. One of my favorite places to go if I have a nice weekend in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, this is Andrew from Scorpion XO, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. show it's a december edition and uh, not a whole lot going on with the calendar this month can you imagine why yeah i think uh, holiday seasons are uh, we've got some news bites too and i think we're just gonna go ahead and slam them all together here so we'll start it up with the calendar yeah hybrid edition right yeah uh we got a ride coming up sunday the 3rd of December, this is the BMW Club, and you don't need to be a member of the BMW Club. Uh, they change their ride every month. I don't know where they're going. You'll need to get on to our calendar and yep. link over to their site, and then you can see where they're going to be riding and when you meet up. And again, like I say, you don't have to be a member of the club. If you want to become a member of the club, they'll they'll appreciate that, but they'd like to have anybody join them. So. And you don't have to be a BMW rider per se either, right? No, uh, yeah. you could have a Suzuki or a Yamaha. Yeah. Or a, you could have a, um, a Modus or – Right. Uh, I liked where you started with the whole Suzuki and Yamaha because I'd prefer to be uh, join these rides without a second mortgage. Yeah, that's yeah. A good thing. Uh, that way you'd be able to afford breakfast yeah. before the ride. You say modus, I think I might need a third mortgage for that, or at least yeah. a third job. Jeez. So uh, uh, let's see. So that's happening. Then on uh, Saturday the 9th, uh, Mickey Faye's got his flat track going on in Puyallup. You and I still haven't gone this year. Yeah. Uh-oh, here comes our executive producer. If you hear a thud in a moment, it's because our executive producer has landed. Is that and because we're dropping some serious calendar knowledge here. Uh, <laughs> but the flat track in uh, Puyallup, right? I mean, you're right. We should uh, we should make an effort maybe next year to go down to one of these. Or maybe on the 9th. Yeah, coming up fast. Okay. Uh, let's see. And then the 16th, 
the thing is, you know, it's it's kind of cold in there. Yeah, but you could bring your own heater and plug it in. Really, you can plug in right yeah. there in the stands, huh? Right in the grandstands. Interesting. So I'm just going to uh, wrap myself in Saran wrap and let the uh, body heat do the work. We talked about that earlier, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could do that. Uh, okay, then on the 16th, we don't talk about this every month, but because it's so light, we're going to talk about it. Sure. It's the Lady Riders Meet and Greet. Where are they meeting? Where are they greeting? Yeah. We don't know, but it's, we got the uh, link on the calendar page. It's so a mystery. That's, uh, that's, that's it exciting. It is uh, somewhere here in Puget Sound. Right. Claudette Diva nice. puts this on. Uh, okay, and then I was working through... The 2018 Moto Film event right. for the Rally in the Gorge the other night. And I'm collecting quite a bit of material, and I've got more than I can use. Nice. Uh, so the way it'll work at the Rally in the Gorge is it'll be four nights. It'll be an hour every night. It'll basically be three about 20-minute segments. Cool stuff. I've got uh, uh, documentaries with uh, people who founded certain OEMs. I've got information on bikes that have been taken to the salt flats and raised. I've got it's, – it's a big list. Yeah. And it's so big now that I've got more than I can roll at the Rally in the Gorge. Which is – that's exciting. So I, th- I got to thinking, you know, uh, the holidays, everybody's at home. They need to kick back, chill out. Uh, get beyond the the gift giving and the turkey making or right. whatever they're making prime rib or whatever, and relax. So I'm gonna do I'm gonna put together a channel on YouTube of it's gonna be about two to three hours I think of uh, moto videos. Right. That you can just you know dial it up on your smart TV or whatever and uh, kick back and we will put together a, a series of stuff so you don't have to be jumping around. You can just enjoy the show. But now this is – I think it's worth noting because we talked a little bit about about it off air here. This is some seriously cultivated stuff. This isn't going to be like police chase after police chase. This no. is going to be like and some – and it's motor- not going to be the same thing right. all the way through. It's oh. going to it's gonna change. You know, It might be a theme for about 20 minutes. Sure. And then it will switch to another theme. But that's one of, I think, the really cool things about this is you, know, you get on and the, the sort of uh, – the um, intelligence platform you know on youtube will start to recommend you other videos you find yourself in this loop where you're just seeing sort of a different version of the same thing over and over again on this channel we're not going to have that because you're going to actually be physically cultivating the collection yeah we're going to feed it to you in a particular order right so you don't have to uh, stop it and try to find something else so just you know just if you don't like one thing just relax it'll be over and then the next thing will come up but it's all cool stuff and it's not just like stupid amateur stuff yeah and i remember uh down at the rally uh this year uh it was really interesting because there was a lot of uh things that otherwise may have been lost to history yeah, you know, I mean, there's some good documentary footage. There's some interesting commercials from the '70s. We did some racers, definitely and some stunt riders, yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And it won't just be Pacific Northwest. It'll be you know worldwide stuff, right? But uh, it'll be cool. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. I think that's a a good setup. And who knows, you know, maybe that opens the door for something else, another way for us to uh, to reach uh, the readers and the listeners. Yeah. And just one more way to have SoundWriter in your life. That's because right. Because you've already got enough Amazon in your life. You've got enough Google in your life. You need more SoundWriter and if, in your life. Uh, that's uh, That should be everyone's New Year's resolution, at least on the list, right? More <laughs> SoundWriter in your life. <laughs> All right. Flipping into news bites now. Yeah. 
Uh, let's start off with the latest one that we have up there, and this is uh, an article released by a writer for The Motley Fool yeah. who was warning people that Royal Enfield was going to take over Harley-Davidson's market share. What do you think about that? Well, so I, I noticed some of the initial comments there, and I, I read the article, and I actually had a, kind of a different interpretation on it. Okay, I'm ready. And what I and, kn- and you know my interpretation was it was Balderdash. Right. Yes. So in so case somebody didn't read the article, to lead with that. That's so. right. So here's what I, uh, here's what I gleaned from the article. I found that uh, actually about the first uh, three quarters of the article was talking about uh, Royal Enfield taking over Harley Davidson's motorcycle share, mm-hmm. but they were actually talking about that in India. So what they were saying is that in no no, no then, th- they, then they talked about how they were coming into the American market, which was balderdash because well, they've been in the American market for several decades. So that's where I drew a different interpretation, and I'm going to come to the defense of the writer here a little bit. I think that uh, the last quarter of the article was speculating on that, was saying that how is this going to affect the American market? But really, the focus on the article was that Royal Enfield is the largest manufacturer of motorcycles in the world. And they so sh- they say. Right. So they say in well, the article. But but also Honda has some pretty impressive numbers, and they also produce motorcycles in India. So Without question. But uh, obviously there is a uh, – Royal Enfield in India is a, is a large motorcycle manufacturing, and they're part of a conglomerate now, right, which produces a lot. So maybe part of that is publicity. But they sell a lot of motorcycles. But mm-hmm. what they were saying specifically, at least in the first half of the article, is that larger bikes – um, in India, Harley Davidson uh, is responsible for about sixty percent of the sales of larger bikes. Although they're only responsible for two percent of the sales of the overall motorcycle population, yep. because because the most most of the bikes sold in India are like five hundred cc are lighter, less, right? So. And so now Royal Enfield is coming out with two six hundred and fifty cc bikes, and they're saying, how is that going to impact the uh, the market in India? Are they going to move in on Harley's larger bike? Uh, sort of population there, and then if they are successful, what does that mean for the American market in the future? <laughs> yeah, that, and that's where I'm. That's where I'm kind of cackling at that point. Well, yeah, I don't. You know, I don't think we're that, talking uh, 500cc motors that don't do well over 45 miles an hour. There are so definitely some technological some issues struggles. going on with technology. There are, but I thought it was oh, another interesting thing. Two actually interesting things I found from that article is one is that it's almost the exact inverse. Uh, from India, the United States of you know in uh, the United States we have like I don't know, two or three thousand Harley dealers and there's like twenty Royal Enfield dealers yeah, and yeah. it's the exact opposite and I can tell you Royal Enfield doesn't have a two percent market share in the United no, States it's no, probably no, more no. like like maybe point two percent yeah and even that would be uh, would probably be generous um, but I will be interesting to see if. There isn't sort of any organization, what kind of movement they can make. One thing that I thought was an interesting point that the writer made was that he suggested apparently last year that Harley acquire, is it ATK Motorcycles? Yeah. Uh, in an effort to start to bring people, younger people, along the Harley-Davidson pipeline. So get them introduced to uh, dirt bike riding early so that when they get older, they transition into heavier weight bikes. Yeah, so there was a brilliant idea right there. Uh, who sells ATK motorcycles so far in the United States? I have no idea. I'm, I'm, uh, I've never even seen a dealer in the Pacific Northwest. I'm patently unfamiliar with the product. But I've, 
I thought it was at least an interesting perspective. We talk a lot about on the show, you know, how are we going to reach the next generation? And you've seen other brands in the past, for instance, Jeep comes to mind where they uh, also make mountain bikes. And Mm -hmm. that is sort of a larger psychological trick to get your kid, you know, your 10-year-old or your 12-year-old on a Jeep mountain bike so that they go out and they buy a Jeep when they get older. It's kind of an old marketing trick. Yeah. I I, I tend to prefer the Strider bike because they make the ones with Honda. Sure. Well, I say Harley, buy ATK and the Strider bike. At least we know (laughs) what the Strider bike is. I don't know anything about ATK. I thought actually that they were a, a... a parts manufacturer or something to that effect. But. I'm, I'm rattling my brain and recalling that maybe 10 years ago, ATK actually had a chain drive, front wheel drive motorcycle. Interesting. That I had seen. But um, they're nowhere in the market. Like, why not say have them buy, you know, Husqvarna or, or somebody like that? Yeah. Like in the dirt bikes at a reasonable, you know, buy-in price. Well, I think this uh, particular rider's angle was that it's American-made. So keeping with that American yeah. theme. So I don't know. I thought it was food for thought. I, uh, I'm i not going to beat up on the writer too much because I did get uh, sort of an interesting take from there. But I don't uh, – I'm not worried about Royal Enfield flooding the market here anytime soon because a Honda, a Suzuki, uh, much better value, much better motorcycle at this point and going to be for the next decade. All right. Well, and, 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 oh, all you Royal Enfield fans, we've got more about Royal Enfield coming up in the second segment of the show. Can't after, wait. After we're done here, but we're going to keep going with the news bites right now. Well, they should sponsor us after this. So uh, heartbreaking news for a lot of us who have ridden the rattlesnake grade, and I know that you haven't because we already talked about it yeah. ahead of time. But uh, Bogan's Oasis has burned to the ground. So tell me about this place because so, it, it got a lot of feedback on Facebook. So it's right down on the Grand Ron River. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a it's kind of a fishing joint, you know. You go there and you you sign up with your guide and you go out and you can. And they had lodge. They they have lodging there still. They nice. don't have a restaurant anymore. Gotcha. But um, but, but uh, you know, at all times of the year, you can go out with guides and go fishing on the river and get whatever's going. And uh, you know, supposedly the guides know where to go to get the best fish and all that. And so, um, but for motorcyclists, it was, you know, it's, um, it's the only place between Enterprise and Asotin to get food. Okay. I so it's a pretty important spot. I don't think they even have gas. But, but uh, you know, it's a restaurant. Yeah. They had shakes and pies and all this sort of stuff. Sure. So uh, it was a fa- favorite for a lot of people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, my rule of thumb on something like the Rattlesnake Grade is if you're going to go there, don't just go up and down at once, go up and down it a couple of times, and at some point you're going to need to get a, a lunch in you. So yeah, a little protein. That was where you went. Interesting. But uh, the owners are kind of up in their 80s, and they're thinking that they don't want to rebuild. That's what that's what I saw in the articles sure. that we listed. Um, so that may be gone. Any uh, source as to the cause of the fire? Anything that you could see from they the They didn't have that indicated in, in those articles. They were too early and they hadn't done the investigation yet. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. You know, I read a, a couple of comments were mentioning how they would, uh, you know, use that either as a turning around point or they would ride up and down the grade a couple of times uh, just because it's uh, such a great road. So I, I'm sorry that I never had the chance to get out there and enjoy a shake at uh, Boggins Oasis. It uh, it had been one of our cafe to cafe restaurants early nice, on. Nice. So when we finally get the book put together for cafe to cafe, it'll be listed under the uh, RIP section. Yeah. So well, that's really too bad, you know. I mean, but best of luck to the owners, and hopefully, uh, you know, something else will come out there. At least a couple of picnic tables where you can maybe break out a pack lunch, right? 
Yeah, maybe maybe you and I should just buy a lunch truck and drive down there and serve food. There you go. Yep. We'll uh, record the uh, show in the back, and we'll serve uh, tacos out the front. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tacos on the Grand Run. The official food of uh, Sound Rider, Mexican food. <laughs> I told you I got to go Mediterranean diet for a while. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah we might be doing euros out the back of that truck. Hey, look mm. out. Yeah. All right. This was, uh, uh, you know, it didn't seem like such a big deal when you looked at the headline because most people don't know what MAG is. Yeah. Uh, the Motorsports Aftermarket Group has filed bankruptcy, but it's uh, it's going to uh, have some serious repercussions all the way through the industry because they have so many brands under their roof. Right. Uh, primarily Tucker Rocky. Mm. So, uh, interesting, when I read the article, that not only did they file bankruptcy, but they had the majority of their brands underneath them all individually file bankruptcy. Wow, so they were all separately held companies, and it sounds like. Some, somebody did the paperwork that way. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, $440 million in debt. Uh, never made a dime since about 2014 when they pulled the original debt of 40, $440 million. Wow. I mean, I guess they made enough money to pay their interest or something. Right. But uh, we'll, we'll see where this goes. It, it, it affects a lot of brands. You can see the article. Just link to it from our News Bites page. Um, Renthal was one of them. So here's my question, right? Because yeah. this is, uh, I feel like this is another domino in uh, what we're going to see for the next five or six years. Where I a think lot, you're right. Where a lot of these parts manufacturers are going to start to go under. But is there going to be? Is it going to be the uh, the cycle world? Or, uh, cycle gear Revzilla conglomerate that starts to buy up some of these assets, and in a decade, instead of having thirty or 40 or 50 aftermarket parts manufacturers, all of a sudden we have five. I mean, that, something's got to happen, That right? could happen. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, remember I spent 25 years in the music business, yeah. too, as the dominoes were falling, and it turned into, and we went from uh, six major distributors down to three. Right. And that's kind of what we're seeing when we see one company buy 30 different companies. Yeah. Um, and in the case of this bankruptcy, what they're doing is basically everybody's uh, valued an X amount of shares on each of the individuals so they can start to piecemeal them out and sell them to someone else yeah. if they want. And uh, if they do, they're, they're just buying all that debt. That's what they're going to buy when they buy that company. Right. Well, there has to be uh, some market to sort <laughs> of you know take these assets and reorganize them, but – the, I just really think that the reality is for the next at least decade or so, there's not – I mean I just don't see a lot of innovation on the horizons. You know, Everybody has a lot of this aftermarket stuff now and there's, yeah. you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, turning over of old stones. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think that what we're seeing with the industry right now is it's getting a little more practical. Yeah. So if you or I buy a new motorcycle tomorrow, we're not going to go put $10,000 of accessories on it. No. Um, it costs too much to eat. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean you're absolutely right. And then you look at a lot of the uh, you know that's the dual sport wave that we rode for so long. A lot of that stuff is pretty well built and it's not going anywhere for the next 20 or 30 years. It might have some scrapes and some dings, but you know, I mean if you've got aluminum panniers or crash bars like that stuff's going to last for a while. Yeah, well, you know, we always recommend if you got a 350 dual sport that you move up to like a, a 5 or 600 cc. Well, I don't know about that. One step at a time here, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to file moral bankruptcy on my motorcycle just from a little outside pressure there. 
So we'll see where all that winds up. Yeah. Uh, how about this uh, really nice toe job that they did on the Oregon State Police bike? You saw that that bike hanging off the back of the tow truck. And, uh, you know, I was just having lunch the other day with the gentleman from Lowside, and we were talking about what his rig is actually a trailer. So right. uh, that could never happen. But when you hang a bike off the back of a tow truck, if, uh, we it's not that we have any potholes that are in the Pacific Northwest, no. but when they hit one or two of them with yeah. your bike hanging on, yeah. at, what, let's say your bike is 600 pounds, right. and you hit a uh, – a pothole. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, your bike just turned into twelve to eighteen hundred pounds of weight yep. from that shock, and so um, it's got a great way to bend a frame and permanently get the. Just basically have to throw the bike in the trash. There's definitely that. some uh, G-force acceleration there, and uh, yeah, you're right. You know, you've got this. Like this was a police bike that we were showing, right? So yeah. it was probably a six hundred, six hundred fifty pound sport touring bike, and. Uh, Oh, it was a, a BMW R1200RT. Okay. So, yeah, yeah you're yeah. talking like seven, 800 pounds. Right, and then you take a couple of cable straps and wind that under the frame, and then you just go down the highway and start bouncing that thing up and down at uh, two or three Gs. And- Goodbye, frame. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, luckily, that's the cheapest part to replace, right? And then who so. was the guy who came in and said uh, that real motorcyclists push their bikes when they break <laughs> down? I'm like, the guy got T-boned by a car and went to the hospital. Uh, no Did excuses. you want him to push his bike? No excuses, definitely. Jeez. No, but uh, have you ever had to uh, utilize towing service? That's something I haven't had to do yet. Yes. Yeah. I have several times. Okay. Um, but I never had – I never – I always called for a flatbed. Yeah. Never wanted uh, anyone to hang my bike on there. Right. No way. That's a uh that's the Christmas tree ornament edition. Once you bend that frame up, then you can just go ahead and hang it on your Christmas tree too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You the the biggest get the biggest tree you can find. Well, yeah, you want a good uh, you know, solid spruce. <laughs> go down to the Macy's store and hang it off of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Tis the season. Um, well, I put up a funny little meme. Yeah. Is that what you call it? A meme? I think we'd call it that, yeah. Real vacations don't happen in cars, and people went nuts and loved it and yeah. shared it. And and, uh, and I think it's true. You know, best vacations I've ever had are on a motorcycle. Definitely. There's a lot of fun to be had on two wheels, and it just changes the entire dynamic, you know? I mean, you go out and uh, four wheels, and you go on vacation for four or five days, and you end up doing nothing but going to fast food and chain restaurants. You go on a motorcycle, and you're ready for adventure. Yeah. You know, it just changes you know, your attitude. You're not messing around with what, you know, you can't hear any music because you're not in a place where there's a radio station or right. any of that. Blah, 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 blah. But, I'm with you. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, okay, so now this guy in uh, Istanbul, he's a little uh, uh, fed up with the traffic, so he's going to have a motorcycle Uber company. Right. I don't know about you. <laughs> But I don't want to get on the back of some guy I don't even know and ride on the back of his motorcycle and have have to pay him to do that. Well, I mean, if they're anything like Uber, and Uber is you know notorious for their stringent driver screening process, I'm sure that these are all very qualified motorcycle riders. Mm. Yeah, I doubt that. Mm. <laughs> I've had to uh, report several Uber drivers. Have you really? Oh my god! All right. Oh my god! I'd love to see your rating. Yeah, the guy, the guy who it's like it's like I got like a four and a half or oh, okay. something. That's not okay. bad. No, it's good. Um, I only report them if they're horrible. You yeah. know, like if they scare me. Right. 
the, the one guy was uh, he was a combo Uber slash taxi driver. Nice. And I'm over on the corner, and he's over on the other side of the road, turning left to come to get me. Yeah. And just pulled left right in front of a car. Oh yeah, that happened. That was coming at him. Well, better to do that while you're out of the car than you're in the car. Yeah, but then the way he came up the back street to take me home, he was like 35 miles an hour. And, you know, all these, these little back streets don't have stop signs or anything yeah. on them. And it's like, oh, dude, you got, you're going to kill somebody. Yeah, it's a different animal. But I think uh, – well, you know, obviously when you're talking about Istanbul, it is a, it's a much different dynamic. I, I would prefer certainly to have a helmet, but I wonder what do you think the top speeds are generally speaking if you were to take an average – uh, on these motorcycles, I'd be surprised if they're going over 15 miles an hour. Well, Not that you can't get hurt. That got but, me wondering. I mean, yeah. you know, is it like France where they're driving down the sidewalk? I don't know. That's a great I'm, I'm question. I'm thinking, how's he how's he going to speed it up if he if if you're still if you're if you're on a motorcycle behind a car, you're not speeding anything up. You got to find you got to have some other tricky way of. Well, I think weaving in and out of traffic is certainly much more acceptable in certain parts of the world. I know that was my experience in Mexico, where uh-huh. that uh, if you hit a, if you hit congestion and you were on a motorcycle, people were looking at you like they were like you were crazy if you weren't finding a way to get around. So like if I take a ride with one of these guys, can I get a blindfold, a sedative and a velcro strap so I can just be strapped onto them and not really know what's going on around me when they're going down the road? Well, you travel with that always anyway, right? So just <laughs> go ahead and uh, deploy that. I wonder maybe there's an option you can give the guy another 5 bucks and you can drive the motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then and then I got an app for that too. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you where I parked the bike. That's I'll right. text you. <laughs> Uh, certainly a different dynamic over there in uh, in Istanbul. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, probably, if you were calling your Moto Uber, he's probably not going to pull up on an Indian motorcycle. No. You know? But if he did, I'd want him pulling up on that one that's going to have the the big bore kit. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Indian is, uh, is uh, pretty certain that consumers aren't happy enough with 111 cubic inches. So, you can now, for an extra 2000 bucks plus the price of the install, get the big bore kit. That'll take your Indian from 111 to 116 cubic inches. So, wait, is this, is this 1110 to 1160? No, no, it's 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 cubic inches. Okay, so it's basically you. you're going from eighteen hundred cc's okay. to, to about nineteen oh six. I think was okay. The number. Yeah, well, to get know, an extra thousand cc's or yeah. extra hundred cc's. Well, hey, you know why wouldn't you want to pull apart your twenty thousand dollar motorcycle and install a two thousand dollar upgrade kit? Yeah, that makes sense to me. And we'd like you to try it at home first. And if it doesn't work out, then bring the bike in and we'll <laughs> we'll get it right. Please yeah, talk about aftermarket stuff that maybe nobody needs. I yeah, that's that's interesting that they would uh, that they would come out with this um, because I don't. I, I mean, I'm not certainly as involved in that particular subsegment of motorcycling, but I just don't feel like there's a lot of uh, a lot of interest in that. Not not from the practical side of yeah. things, but but uh, and I just don't see the the everybody's got to jump on the bandwagon type customers out there. Yeah, but I will say this. Um, uh, Indian Motorcycles had a great display at the Long Beach Motorcycle Show. We're going to take a b- break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the International Motorcycle Show that I went to a couple weeks ago. Support for the Soundwriters Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in Issaquah, Washington. 
Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used sport bike, cruiser, dual sport, sport touring, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. So Mike Monahan out of Tualatin, Oregon, and most recent trip on my KLR 650 2015 was down the Oregon coast, and we camped at some great uh, state parks. Uh, the weather was phenomenal. Just had a great, great time. And then just before that, we did the Oregon Backcountry Discovery Route number four from Sisters to Seneca, and it was terrific too. Great time, great weather, and uh, the bike would perform just great. Hey, this is Bob Gerby from Gordon Seated Clothing, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. show and of course we're in the december edition here and we start to think about all those great things we would like to put on our holiday wish list and what better way to find out what the latest and greatest are than to go to the international motorcycle show that was what in uh seattle this year tom the closest no, one sir no, well, no Por- portland no, no, though no, none, in, none in portland uh, maybe in redding california no, i couldn't or... even get down to the bay area okay. i had to go all the way to long beach long to get beach. to the international motorcycle show this year unbelievable you have to almost take an international flight just to get there but you went i did yeah and you were out there because i uh, thought all the readers would like to hear about it well count me in on that i mean where do we even (laughs) start i mean uh there's there's obviously always something new going on just tell me first of all let's start with this what was your overall impression this year because in the last couple of years i've had some i'd call them lackluster experiences but what did you think this year i thought I was going to see a bigger footprint overall because it was Los Angeles than mm. Seattle, but I don't think that square footage-wise it was very much bigger. Okay. Um, and I noticed that most of the manufacturers were all pretty much – the major manufacturers were all pretty much about the same size footprint. It was like a, like maybe a 60 by 60 or an 80 by 80. Okay. But nobody any bigger than that that I that, – you know, I'm just doing these numbers off the top of, course, of my yeah. head. Of course, yeah. But – uh, but I noticed it was a whole other hall to the south of where the show was that maybe in years past, just like in Seattle, had been utilized right. and wasn't being utilized. Hmm. So, um, in fact, in some ways, it seemed to me that Seattle shows sometimes had been bigger because they were using two large halls. Yeah, they had it spread out a little bit the uh, mm-hmm. the last time it was in Seattle, which was what two thousand and fourteen now. Uh, let's see. Well, Portland was fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it Crazy. was 2014. Crazy. Well, we need to figure out uh, something on that. But you mentioned the manufacturers. We've got a long list of uh, the latest developments. Where do we start? You want to start with well, BMW? Well, hang or? On. So, so for all my listeners who are saying, yeah, yeah, we want a motorcycle show here. I mean, you got to remember right now the industries that have run in at, at you know, 60% of what it was. Sure. You know, even, even post-recession. Yeah. 
So uh, we're not going to have a show here anytime soon. That's just that's just a reality. Uh, although um, you can read my article that I put up on Soundwriter as well, and and that gives you a couple ideas of things to do. The, the Spokane Motorcycle Show is a pretty good show. It's just a lot more grassroots run right. than these glamorous international motorcycle shows. So um, there's options for you. Yeah, there are some stuff out there. And, uh, of course, uh, we now have the uh, the Spokane International Motorcycle Show here in Washington, right? So, I mean – Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's a show you could go to. Yep. That's not – you know, you don't have to fly a plane to get there. You can – Right. You can either drive your car or if it's warm enough, and it has been some years. Yeah. You can go right over to the pass and ride out to the show and – Get a hotel somewhere in town that night and come on back on Sunday or something like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So, but let's uh, anyways, let's yeah. dive in a little bit. <clears throat> let's let's uh, let the listeners in on some of the things that you discovered there. So uh, it was kind of uh, a lot of baggers out there this year. Yeah, uh, BMW brought their bagger, which has been on the showroom floors, and uh, uh, Yamaha had hoped to have their new Star Touring bike. Um, on showroom floors this fall, but it got held back for mm. some technological stuff. Well, so uh, it was there, but uh, but so, you won't find it in showroom yet. Right? Do they have any uh, projected release date on that, or are they uh, spring? Spring. Okay, that's what they're saying. All right. Uh, another bagger that showed up was the brand new Honda Goldwing. Yeah. And that was pretty exciting because Honda didn't lock it up behind a bunch of plexiglass. Uh, they had three or four of them there, and everybody could walk around a display. There was there was a display up on a, a sort of a pedestal. Okay. And you could go up on a pedestal and sit on the bike. Nice. And then uh, you could sit on the bike on the floor, and they had the two different models because they have one that's kind of a stripped-down model and a full meal deal with right. the trunk and all that. What did you think seeing it in person? Because, you know, I mean, uh, I'm not obviously a, a huge Goldwing guy in its own. I mean, I think it's a legendary motorcycle, but the pictures I, had, I have seen – I was pretty impressed with the redesign. I thought it looked pretty yeah. sleek. What did you think? I thought it, I thought yeah. it looked real good. good. Uh, you know, obviously they're building on what they already know. Uh, the one thing that's a serious change is the way that the forks connect to the bike. Instead of having like a triple tree type system, sure. uh, everything goes up into the, the main frame and then out the top with the handlebars. Interesting. So that's a little, little different. And, uh, you know, I remember when the Goldwing first came out, the, the last model, or shall we say the 1800. Right. When the 1800 came out in 1999, uh, around 2000, 2001, there was problems with the frame. Okay. And so they had to take them all back in and put a proper weld on the frame. And uh, so, you know, doing this whole new steering column is, is – uh, it's possible you may see – a recall on that sure and they'll just have to you know they, they'll get it right and when they do then then the ones that come after it'll be all fine and although that's uh not what you want to hear if you're motorcyclist when you get that recall is yeah we need to have uh you bring the bike in so we can re-weld it yeah right <laughs> yeah that's a really exciting letter to get in the mail so uh so those were there yeah. um and you know it was so kind of, I, I it almost brought a tear to my eye. I looked over at the Kawasaki booth, and they had the uh, the latest Voyager, which I think that model shipped maybe one or two years ago. Yeah, that's a really good looking bike. Sure, though. it is. But nobody was paying attention to it. Yeah. Nobody was looking at it. Nothing. But I thought, you know, if you're thinking about getting a new bagger bike. Uh, put that one on your list too. Yeah, it's a pretty good looking bike. It's a great suggestion. Kawasaki has really been still doing some uh, some very solid. Uh, innovation the last couple of years yeah they don't sell a lot of them you won't find them at dealers you got to call around if you want to go see one and make sure somebody has one i know they have had them in the past out at the bellevue shop 
but uh, uh, it's it's one worth looking at. And also, you know, if it had any recalls, it probably got them already. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, let's see. Also in the BMW booth, uh, I saw the 310. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, that was – I don't think – I don't know. Is that on the showroom floors yet? I feel like you can get it. I just don't know if it's uh, on the showroom floors or not. Yeah. Do uh, was that uh, when you were standing next to it a full size bike at three ten? Well, it... yeah, kind of, but okay. you know it's a three hundred, so it's it's a little leaner. It's not as wide. Right. Uh, it's just like all these other, like the V Strom two fifty. That was at the show. Interesting. And that's a lean bike. Yeah, it would have to be. But these are all bikes that basically you could put them into service for motorcycle training sure. purposes. I gotcha. So uh, you don't want to make them the same size as a GS twelve hundred. No, you certainly don't want to do that. I'm curious though, you know, comparative wise, because like the uh, the Yamaha WR two fifty R is significantly smaller than like the KLX two fifty. Did you find it was sort of more towards the KLX size, which I would imagine, or maybe a little bit more towards the the Yamaha side? I never thought those were very different in size okay. myself. Yeah, they're pretty big. I mean, I think the front wheels are different on them too. I'd rather tell t- you, take the suspension on Yamaha any day. Well, yeah, you only have to spend an extra two or three grand, and you can get that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and what is it now? Kawasaki's bringing back the KLX two fifty, right? Yes, they had it on the floor at the show. Yeah, I well, they it. they were continuing to sell old models, but now they've released a new model okay. for this year. So, so uh, I don't, I don't. I don't know. You know, uh, if you're interested, you got to go out to the shops and check them all out. Of course, see what yeah. you think. Yeah. Sit on them and and uh, you shouldn't know, buy a bike sight unseen. Don't trust my geometrical data here. <laughs> uh, let's see. I went to the Harley Davidson booth. They had lots of pretty colors. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I know. I know they have like what ten new bikes this year. They're bringing out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of just. I got barraged with all kinds of colors and bikes. and Well, they're doing their best to compete with Royal Enfield. That's on our, <laughs> yeah, they're they 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 really biting at their heels, you know. Um, let's see what else. Okay, Indian had a nice booth, and they uh, very graciously brought down the Spirit of Monroe custom bike that they built last year. Actually, I guess it was earlier this year, which they raced at the Bonneville Salt Flats. Oh, cool. And so uh, you got to see the bike in person, and it's cool. just you know it's it's a, it's a scout that's all dolled up yeah. with uh, with uh, a, a very large fairing on it. Yeah, but it, you know it's it's got its spirit of Monroe thing to it. Sure, and uh, it's cool to see it in person. Really cool. Well, you know, I uh, I I probably Indian wouldn't be the first motorcycle on the list that I would buy, but every time I see one, I am impressed at the uh, the care that they take and sort of designing it and putting them out. They're all beautiful motorcycles. Yeah, and I think these motors are coming out where they're really cool. Yeah. Although I don't know, like the the motor that's on the new bagger bike they have, that looked like a like a oh no, it's on the Scout. Looks like it's got like made out of two skulls. Oh, interesting. <laughs> It's little... like two two human heads. Yeah. I, I don't know. Got to look at it yourself sometimes. Yeah, I'll have to check You'll that see out. What I mean, uh, okay. So then you know there was so much hoopla about the Goldwing that uh, nobody really was tipped off to the fact, but they brought in the new CBR one thousand R, which is a naked. 1000 RR. It's right. actually it's a CB 1000 R. Okay. So it's a totally naked bike, but it's got the the 1000 RR motor in it, and that's dumbed down for 
purposes of the road. Right. And um, I looked at that bike and I thought, you know what? I think some custom builders are going to go to town on this bike. You know, that's an interesting point. Because it's just nothing but bare bones, and yeah. then you just turn it into whatever you want. And I am assuming that the uh, list price on that is going to be much more affordable than, say, a comparative Ducati or something like that. So it'll give you a lot of options. Yeah, I didn't look that up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll be less than a Ducati. For sure, yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about Ducati. Uh, let's see. Well, let's talk about Ducati. So they yeah. had a um, um, the new Panigale. Yeah. Remember we did the show back in like August or September and we noticed that the Panigale was pulled out of the lineup. Yep. But we heard the rumors of this V4 motorcycle coming. Right. So they branded it with the Panigale name. And uh really good looking bike. Mm-hmm. Uh trouble is it's all fared up. Yeah. So you can't see the V4. Really? Why would they But just believe it. It's in there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, maybe that engine too looks like it's made out of human heads, and they wanted to uh, they wanted to shield that off, right? <laughs> I don't, that's uh, that's interesting though, because to, usually when you when you come out with something specific to a motor like that, you want to showcase it. But uh, yeah, but it is a sport bike, so it's got to have a, a full fairing on it. So yeah, you get on that thing, and you're getting twelve miles to the gallon without the fairings, I guess. So then um, they have now an enduro bike. Ducati, Ducati does. Really? Now, does that surprise you? Remember when we were in Portland and the rune had dolled up that Panigale and painted it like, you know, desert storm colors? Yeah. And then he had those uh, deer jaw bones on yeah, the front of it that's and stuff. Right. And, and I think if I'm not – if 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 I'm not mistaken, I think he was given a slap of the hand on that by Ducati. I don't know. That's interesting. He may have been, I guess. And then they turned around and they came out with this beautiful enduro bike. So is take it, a look at that online. Similar color? Is it sort of the Gulf yeah, War era? Yeah, it's like it looks like a Desert Storm machine. It's like the uh, Duqua- uh, the uh, Ducati Norman Schwarzkopf. Edition, the only right? thing it's missing is the deer jaw bones. <laughs> hey, well, you can add those <laughs> aftermarket. They'll sell them for three or four hundred bucks. It's got the big uh, uh, 50, you know, 50 50 tires on it. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, it should be interesting. I think, you know, it's, it's just another contender in sort of the, uh, I want to get an adventure bike, but I think I'm going to ride off road more than I'm going to ride on the pavement. Right. So, which is almost never the case, but <laughs> more power to you. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I, I told you that Suzuki had the V-Strom 250. Yeah. And then uh, Kawasaki. We've we've all seen – if you've been in a shop in the last year, you've all seen the Versus 300. 300, yeah. But it was fun to see them all in the same place at the same time. Still an interesting move to me. It's like – I mean I understand that the V-Strom brand carries some weight, but uh, a 250 for that. I think it's going to be a bit of a dog. That's the thing. Like, Most two fifties are dogs. Yeah, so. maybe they should have taken like a uh, one of their four hundred cc scooter motors and put it in there. Mm, well, see, but there again, see, the two fifty is a great starter bike. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I understand, but I can see like, okay, the V Strom is probably their most popular model, right? For maybe standard slash adventure. Um, but I just, I, you mean in their lineup? Or? Yeah, in Suzuki. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a very popular Suzuki model. Right? Yeah. It's something that has sort That's of. That's true. I mean, right? since the cruiser market's kind of been down. Yeah. So. 
Exactly. So I'm. I mean, I don't. I see why you might want to sort of share that branding, but God, two fifty is just awfully light, especially when the Versus has another fifty cc and it's in that same market. So. But I think what it'll do is it'll be like kind of like buying a Honda Rebel. You get it, you use it, you ride it around, you do a little off road riding, you say I'm ready for a five, six, seven, eight hundred cc bike. Now. I gotcha. And then when you go to resell it, the resale value on it is still fairly it stays high. Stays consistent, yeah. Unless you just beat the heck out of it. Well. I've- you're going to get it. I mean, it's your bike. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, a competitor to that would be the uh, CRF 250F Rally from Honda, yeah. which they had at the show. Great looking bike. Great looking bike. Yep. Great looking bike. Uh, probably, I'm going to I'm gonna just guess technologically, it's not as much of a dog as the V-Strom 250. I wouldn't but think I'd so. But I'd have to go ride either, both of them to, f- to tell you that for sure. So I, do, I don't want to dwell on this too long here, but I am very curious because is the V-Strom 250 a total redesign or are they pulling from like their, their uh, dirt bike lineup and uh, sort of modifying it? No, it kind of looks like a, like a V-Strom. Okay. But it's 250. So, so it's going to be a, a smaller frame, smaller motor. Yeah, you know, it's not as wide. I just wonder what the weight is on that because even if you're up at like 350, 360 pounds. I guess pounds, it's right around 350. See, that's just yeah. – and then the CRF250L is going to be like 260 pounds. No, no, no. It's like three-something, too. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Okay. I think it's lighter than that. It's got some really but... nice suspension and that suspension's not light. Well, that's true. So maybe – yeah. you know what? It's got the squishy rear shock like I have on my NX250. Yeah. Not real firm. Right. You wonder how, how long a stock shock when it's squishy now. I mean, sure, you can you can ratchet it in and tighten it up a little bit. Sure. But uh, that may be something that, you know, that was an issue with some people on the uh, NC700X was they had to get new shocks on yeah. the back. But, you know, well, lightweight me, I didn't have to do that. That's right. Mediterranean diet. Here we come. <laughs> and speaking of mid-range uh, uh, dual sport adventure bikes, uh, Honda's teasing a Tenere 700 on their website right now as a prototype for a possible release. Yamaha with a Tenere. Yamaha. Ra- yeah. Yamaha with a Tenere. Okay. Yeah. So instead of a Super Tenere, you get a Tenere 700. Now, they've been making the 700 in, in other parts of the world yeah. for five, six years right. now. So um, – Something that people are clamoring for here, though, I think, on the United States. I think it would be huge. Absolutely. I think it's a ton of them. I would love to see a 700 and a 450, personally. But, but sadly, uh, they didn't have it at the show. Yeah, there you go. They had all the pictures on the website and everything. It looked great, but it wasn't at the show. Yeah. Uh, KTM, uh, you know, they started with their 1090, went to, no, they had their 990, then they had their 1090, and yep. then they had their 1190, 1290, yeah. and I saw a 1390 at the show. Look out. That is some serious power. So any uh, word on the uh, the prototype for the KTM 790? I'm starting to see rumors. See, there you go. I'm starting to see oh, rumors really? for that. Yeah, oh, okay, that's cool. Still a uh, still sort of a, a hypothetical, but I think that there might be a um, a model out there that is built around that spec. So huh. we'll that see. That makes sense. Yeah, just keep moving them up. Yeah, and then the only one missing is the 890. After that, right? yeah, why not? You know, just keep boring out the engine cylinders. <laughs> Uh, Piaggio had a nice big footprint, uh, had all their Aprilia lineup there, had their Vespa lineup there. And uh, for the Moto Guzzi lineup, they had a really cool custom, uh, this this green 
I don't know what it was originally, yeah. but it was basically just somebody hand built a frame and and shoved a, a Gucci motor up in it. Cool, it beautiful. Yeah. Um, but the uh, it was the first time I'd seen the El Dorado bagger. Speaking of baggers, yeah. Uh, first time I'd seen that in person. Really beautiful, well done. Moto Gucci's killing it on the design. Their bikes are gorgeous. Now I promise you, we're going to talk about Royal Enfield yeah. all the time. So uh, Royal Enfield's going to enter the dual sport adventure market with a. I think it's it's either five or, or six hundred fifty cc Himalayan. Yeah, dual sport. I think it's actually four hundred and ten cc. Really? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I didn't get the I didn't get the displacement. Yeah, on it I think it's I think it's four ten, and this has been long rumored. And I think last summer they released a promo video where the rider. If you put it down in slow motion, you could see that when he came off of a jump, he actually broke the foot peg off. Oh, really? Yeah, and there was oh. already talks of, like, what's the quality going to be? Because, of course, that's the wrap on Royal Enfield. But <laughs> uh, I tell you what, though, from an aesthetic point, I'm a big fan of this motorcycle. I think it looks really cool. I just don't know if it's going to live up to its billing. Yeah, because, yeah. like, you can't – come on. If it's a 400cc Royal Enfield yeah. motor, you cannot ride this to Idaho to your favorite little place out in the, in the forest area you like to go to. Well, I was just going to take it to Boggins Oasis, but now that's, <laughs> that's gone too. No, but I, I am interested to see because there has also been some talk that over the last few years they've made a lot of improvements to the motors. I don't know what that means exactly, but uh, we'll see once they get here on our shores. Yep. Uh, okay, three wheels. Uh, you had the uh, 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 slingshot. Right, of course. That was a course. big display of the Polaris, which was separate from the uh, Indian display. Yeah, different market. Polaris owns. So. Yep. Um, and turns out you can actually lease a slingshot. No kidding. Now, I wasn't interested in that, but my son was with me at the show, and he, yeah. he looked at that, and he thought, you yeah, know, I would never want to own one of those, but I'd like to have one for about a year or two. Oh. So uh, you can – and in California, you don't have to have a motorcycle license to operate it, but you do have to wear a helmet. Right. Yeah, some very weird regulations, and something changed on that in Oregon we talked about a few months ago too. As well, they as... have no three-wheel provision in Oregon. You just yeah. have to get a motorcycle license, I think, to, to operate a three-wheel. It's very interesting. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a company called Vanderhall who is making a competitor to the Slingshot and to the Can-Am Spider. Um, that's pretty nice-looking stuff. You know, I'm always fascinated about this sort of submarket because, you know, every couple of years we see somebody come out with something in sort of this vein. It's not a motorcycle, it's not a car. I, can't, I I'm grasping to find where the actual market is where you can turn a few hundred units of these a year, but hopefully somebody has some success. Well, I think, you know, if you got a lease program, maybe it's guys like my kid yeah, who perhaps. would want to have one for one or two years just to look cool. Yeah. And then, you know, I might only drive it once a month. Right. Knows? Yeah. Uh, and speaking of uh, Can-Am, uh, they were missing in action, hmm. as was Triumph, as was Kimco. So I find Triumph to be the most surprising one of those to not be at the, uh, the That's what I was surprised about, too. Yeah. Uh, what I remember in the past is there's been years when Triumph hasn't been at the show because they um, – were pooling their money to operate their demo truck to all the different places they wanted to take it to that summer. Huh. So that may be what they're doing again. I don't know for sure. I, I, I texted one of our uh, associates who knows a lot about Triumph, sure. and he hasn't gotten back to me. Okay. So. Anyhow. Maybe they're not paying him either anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, listen, let's take a little break, and uh, we need to talk about 
making holiday meals yeah, on two, two wheels. wheels when we get back here. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hi, this is Chris Fant. I live outside of Portland, Oregon, and one of my favorite rides in the Pacific Northwest is the Wenatchee National Forest outside of Leavenworth, Washington. This is Patrick Henry from Hinshaw's Motorcycle Store. You're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Back on the Soundwriter Show, special December edition. So you're getting not only our normal tips and tricks, but we've got some holiday tips and tricks. We don't even know what they are yet. Uh, That's right. A little stocking stuffer action here on the final segment. So Derek said something in the first segment. He said, holiday meals on two wheels. And I had had to write that one down. (laughs) And so uh, we've now challenged each other to come up with a... Tip you can use to make holiday meals on two wheels. Yeah. What's yours? Mine is going to be powdered gravy because you can't have a holiday meal without gravy. So uh, pick up a package of that, take it out into the woods with you when you're out dual sporting, and uh, pour that whatever over whatever you have. Turkey jerky. Uh, uh, how do you, you have to heat it up? Yeah. Well, you probably would want to with powdered gravy. Yeah. How would you heat it up? You put that right on the exhaust. Okay. Yeah, you get your little camping stove, and you just rev the engine a few times, and uh, get a nice smoky flavor, too. <laughs> that's, that's my tip. Might not be the right kind of smoky well, flavor. Well, you know, yeah. beggars, uh, baggers can't be choosers, right? Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, here's mine. Uh, you know, you always have a lot of leftovers. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people typically have some leftovers during the holidays. So what I'm going to recommend you do is uh, – uh, you, know, you take your leftovers, say your turkey or your dressing, or maybe your mashed potatoes, sure. whatever, roll them up in some tin foil. Okay. Shove them up in, in by the, the cylinder head of yeah. your bike. Like maybe stuff them up in your manifold area or something. And then like go and buy some gasoline and, you know, uh, run the bike around for – you'll have to figure out how long you want to run around. I wouldn't recommend you do this for an hour. Right. But maybe like 10, maybe 20. Do it till you get it right. You know, figure this out. Figure, yeah. And every bike's going to be different. And that's how you reheat your leftovers. Yeah. I think the, the key is you just ride until it smells like grandma's house. And then you know, yeah, like, like when yeah. you get to the stoplight yeah. and it smells really <laughs> okay, good, you're it, like, yeah. oh. and you just pull the bike over right then, and you start yeah. grubbing out of the tin foil right on the side of the road. Now, all seriousness, seriousness uh, <laughs> aside here, because this is a very serious topic, um, but you know that has there is sort of like a submarket of people that do that with cars, right? Yeah, where they put them like on the, like the exhaust manifold, or well, maybe not the exhaust manifold. I've heard but, of. Uh, have you ever seen anybody actually attempt this with motorcycles? I don't know if there's a YouTube video out there. Uh, I think there's somebody who's actually trying to sell a cooking kit right now. Oh, okay, hey, but uh, I'm I'm not going there. Yeah, <laughs> count me in. 
Okay. Well, let's get to some motorcycling tips and tricks that don't have to do with food. Or maybe yours does. I don't know. What, uh, what do you have for us this month? Mine is a uh, international health consideration. Okay. You know, this is the time of year when a lot of people are planning some trips where they may be going out of the country. Right. And so, therefore, you may be in a third world country where uh, medical resources aren't exactly – the best, and you may need to get out of there. Right. So uh, I was talking to Lee the other day about this, and you can buy plans where you can be flown out yeah. and, and taken to a, a better facility for proper care. That's right. No, you're absolutely right. So if, if you're one of those people who's planning on leaving the country anytime soon, uh, something to consider so that you uh, you can be best taken care of. I remember actually when I rode down through uh, Mexico and Central America that I picked up a policy like that. It was actually pretty affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, it was I can't remember the exact cost, but I think uh, something like you know like thirty or forty bucks a month. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So and I, if you don't use it, great. Yeah. But if you have to use it, you got it. It's a. Uh, I mean, it's it is what it is. It's a very nice insurance policy. Just in case you need to do that. So what you got for a tip? Yeah, so my tip this month is uh, to learn a little bit more, and this is going to be a little abstract here, but to learn a little bit more about weather. Um, I also have a bit of an aviation background, and you realize when you start uh, looking into some of the planning resources that are available there that there are a lot of opportunities to kind of dial in your forecasting skills that go beyond is it supposed to rain here today or isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, in certain cases, especially when you're out you know, touring, maybe you only have uh, four or five days or a week, uh, you can find some opportunities to where, you know what, you might not have to ride in the rain if you get up and do a little bit of an earlier start, um, and you can avoid some of those less pleasant experiences. And the scientific aspect of it is still uh, is kind of interesting. So Start to look for some of those resources where you can interpret, interpret weather patterns a little more thoroughly. It might come in handy while you're out doing sort of a cross-country tour, or you might just get some enjoyment out of it kind of thinking about it through a motorcycling lens. There is a wonderful book that every motorcyclist should read and own, and it is uh, written by a gentleman named Cliff Mass, okay. who is the meteorologist extraordinaire over at University of Washington. Oh. I can't remember the name of the book, but I told you everything else you need to know. <laughs> right. I think it's called The Pacific Northwest Weather. Interesting. But anyways, um, Cliff goes through there and, and really kind of – fills you in on information that if you know about this and you know about that, then you know that that's going to happen next. And that's the kind of stuff you want to know. And when you're out on a bike, um, it's helpful if you can identify things like anvil clouds yep. because they will wreak havoc on your ride. And if you see one, you can either turn around or take a right or a left and not ride straight into it. But you got to know what it looks like first. It's a uh, it's a very good point, and also with some of the elevation changes too. You know, even in uh, early months or late months of the summer, you go up to seven or eight thousand feet, and if you are getting rained on. That can become a potentially dangerous situation, things like hypothermia and that sort of thing, where if you can avoid that, even though you might have some cooler temperatures without the moisture added, Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have not only a more pleasant time, but you can avoid some maybe potentially challenging situations. Yeah, and there's weather phenomena where it might be uh, 40 degrees down here in the lowlands, and when you get up into the pass, it's like 65. That's right. That's part of the magic. You might want to know why that happens, and so stuff like that gets answered in the book, and uh, it doesn't have to be 
read that book. You can go get any book on weather wherever you live and and just learn more about types of clouds. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's a good tip. Absolutely. And those are tips that you won't find at the International Motorcycle Show, no matter where it's at. Long yeah. Beach, Seattle, Portland. Uh, but hopefully it's something that you can use in your future rides. All right. That's our December show. Uh, make sure you watch our website coming up around the holidays so that you know where that channel is. You'll be able to see our uh, channel that we're going to do and uh, enjoy some uh, some moto film time. Yeah, and enjoy a uh, motorcycle-inspired Christmas. We're looking forward to seeing you in the new year, 2018, only on the Sound Rider Show. Ride safe, ride well, and ride as often as the weather lets you. We'll see you next month. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.